0: Our Christian faith, if we're really honest, doesn't make a lot of logical sense in our world today. People I've met on the street have said to me many times, I really want to be part of a church, but I'm too rational of a person to be able to accept faith and religion anymore. And if you move out of the spiritual and into the ethical shifts and changes in 21st century American culture, it seems like Christianity is continually spinning off course. In fact, at the rate we're going, Christianity might just begin being viewed as countercultural as we move into the upcoming decades. And with that, you might say the church is heading back in the direction of just where it started 2,000 years ago in the culture and times of the ancient Roman world. Yes, the world has developed tremendously since the days of the Caesars in technology, in science, and in medicine, among other things. But those who know the history and the culture of the ancient Roman world are beginning to come into view of many more similarities between then and now than you might expect. Let's face it, we live in a culture and a world where, as it has been from the very beginning of time, it is success and power that is tremendously important. We are a culture and a world where the people and places we look up to are the people and places who have made it to the pinnacle of power and prestige. And just like them, what we do well, we generally want other people to know about too. Not so much to get other people's praise and applause, but simply to let people know that we are trying to do something we believe is important and needed. We too want to inspire others, don't we? To make good accomplishments if for no other reason than because we believe it is good for our children and for our community and for our world. And it is in this particular idea and practice out there in the world today that after two centuries still makes Jesus and the faith he shaped seem completely off track, especially when we read parables in the gospel like the one we just heard this morning. They can easily come off irrational and out of rhythm because they just don't fit the very basic approach to life and community we've been brought up to accept and to strive for. I mean, even though we've heard this particular parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector many times, and even though we already know that in the stories of Jesus, Pharisees are never who we're going to look up to, if we are truly honest this morning, we still probably need to accept that we identify more with the Pharisee than the tax collector. Sure, we get that it is a bit narcissistic for the Pharisee to be proclaiming his righteousness out loud for all the people in the temple to hear while he's supposed to be praying, but if he is what he says he is, then he has to be recognized. If this Pharisee truly follows the laws of the Torah stringently, fasting twice a week, as he said, avoiding all the wrongdoing of those he identifies, quite rightly so, as sinners, and if he is tithing his full 10% to the temple, let us not forget this is stewardship season here at All Saints, then isn't the Pharisee truly the righteous one in this story of Jesus? I mean, if someone were to challenge my morality or try to say that I'm somehow not a good person, Don't think I wouldn't immediately want to point out that I'm a priest. Don't forget that, that I attend church weekly, that I believe in Jesus and I read the Bible every chance I get, and that I try my absolute best to adhere to the rules that are laid out in the Old and the New Testament. Isn't that why people come to church in the first place, to learn the rules in leading a good life and to be able to make the proclamation that we have made our choice to work hard and to do the right thing. So, letting go of what we know to expect from Jesus on the issue of Pharisees and tax collectors, does it not just make logical sense for us to find a stronger connection with the Pharisee this morning who is following the rules, working hard, and declaring himself, rightfully so, to be a truly righteous and godly person? If that's the case, then why is it that Jesus doesn't seem to follow that logic? That brings us to the tax collector in this morning's parable. Jesus knows exactly what everyone in Israel thinks about those who served as tax collectors for the Romans in his time. These Jewish tax collectors were taking money away from the Jewish temple, away from the poor in the community, and away from fellow Jews in order to fill up the coffers of themselves and Roman invaders for whom they've come to work for. To put it simply, tax collectors were viewed as traitors, major sinners without question. And Jesus knows this as well as the next good rabbi. In fact, Jesus used tax collectors himself in the scripture as example of selfish, greedy and breakers of the Jewish law. Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 18, verse 17, If the member who sins against you refuses to listen, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is Jesus using two of the worst, most disrespected classes of the people in the Jewish community the Gentile, the outsider, the foreigner, and the inside trader, tax collector to describe to his disciples how to receive those in their community who refuse to repent and be reconciled to God and to community. And that's just where Jesus wants to take us this morning, I think. Not really to who is the best or who is the worst of the two men praying in that temple, but to what they're doing in that prayerful moment, which is perhaps even more important than what they do outside. Jesus is working in this parable to draw our attention to how these two very different men are choosing that moment to stand before God. There's no question that the Pharisee is living the right kind of life following the law. The question Jesus is trying to ask and draw our attention to is why is the Pharisee truly deep in his heart choosing to adhere to the law in the first place? Is he doing it to give thanks to God? and to be transformed? Or is this Pharisee doing it simply to garner exaltation and honor for himself? Is he walking into that holy place to really pray and put himself in the presence of God? Or is he really there to raise his voice in the assembly of people to be heard and to be recognized by all of those who are standing around him? And at the same time, this tax collector, who is without question a sinner, by the same law, is there to do something very different this morning than that of the Pharisee. The tax collector enters into the temple knowing already that he has sinned. He is grieving from it. He is convicted that he's fallen away from God and community. The gospel says the tax collector standing far off would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He is focused in that moment only on God, knowing that those standing around him are when what they are thinking doesn't matter. He knows that only the God he is begging for mercy is what matters in that moment of confession and prayer. He's not looking to win accolades and affirmations because he already knows he doesn't deserve it. Rather, the sinner has come before God to be forgiven. And because he is there honestly and humbly with that faith that God will answer him, Jesus concludes this story this morning by saying this, this man went down to his home justified. It is his faith in God and his faith alone that brings him to this justification, to pardon, to restoration, and to a possibility to return to righteousness. And that, brothers and sisters, is what Jesus wants his disciples and all of us to hear, to take to heart, and to believe in this morning and always. Friends, as much as our world and our culture pushes us over and over again to identify with the Pharisee, Christianity is a faith that urges us to realize that we are always, no matter how hard we try, far more closer than we even want to admit to the tax collector. And not because we intend to do the wrong thing or fail or be sinful or even mean to be, but simply because sinfulness is in our nature. It is the temptation that's always there trying to pull us in the wrong direction. It is the ego that wants us to always think we can do anything and then works to make us feel worthless and depressed when we stumble and fail. Lord knows I work hard to be as good and as righteous as I can be. I want to be that Pharisee often. I want to be able to wear my good deeds on my sleeve or put a good bumper sticker on the back of my car. And I can't help but be enjoyable that it's enjoyable to be recognized for my righteousness when that happens. But brothers and sisters, I've failed in my life way too many times to really believe any of that recognition. I've made bad decisions i put something off for too long and missed important opportunities to do the right thing. I've let my selfish wants shamefully block out the things that other people needed, sometimes people that mean everything to me. I have sinned, and I have had to apologize over and over again, and I've certainly had to beat my breast and ask for God's mercy. And I bet if all of us are truthful, we've all felt that very same way. Maybe it was something small that we still find hanging in our memory and disturbing us. Or maybe it was something far bigger that you'd give anything to erase and blot out of your memory. That's really what Jesus was banking on when he first told the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. He wanted to show that God's love is so incredible. God's love is so lasting and forgiving that all we have to do is ask and believe And his mercy is there to begin restoration, to bring us back to the hope and the love that he promises. And there will always be some of us, maybe like that tax collector, who feel like the sins we've committed have been far too great, that there's no way God could ever forgive us or restore us, that the price we'd have to pay is truly too great. Well, brothers and sisters, That's where the cross comes in. You see, as countercultural and irrational and illogical as it sounds, God loved us so much that God himself, through his incarnation in Jesus Christ, gave up himself to pay that price long ago. He let himself be nailed to the cross to wash you clean before you ever came into the world and ensure that you can have a way out right now of the pain and the depression and the darkness that sin brings into our lives, whether we want to accept it or not. All we have to do is start removing our faith in all those other things that never will ever really save us, no matter how scientifically or technologically or philosophically or politically advanced our world appears to be. And then lay everything down at the foot of the cross, I don't know if you remember, but Mother Lisa gave a very wonderful sermon a couple of weeks ago, and she said it perfectly. Give it all to Jesus, and let the amazing grace of God save you the same way it saved that wretched sinner, the tax collector, all those years ago. For Jesus proclaims this morning that all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted, and I would say no more truthful words of love have ever been spoken in the past, the present, or in the future.